on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Yes, the Kingpin is in Disney, but this podcast is the happiest place on earth because not only do we have the artist formerly known as Max Smash Master in Shikara here taking Malonis' chair, but we are joined by a hell of a guy, a staple of the New England wrestling scene, Sonny Goodspeed. Plus, your promo about nothing and so much more, but first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 135, our production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And not joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, Ring of Honor wrestler, the Magic King pin, Brian Malonis. No, Brian Malonis is in Disney World currently, and uh, he will be back soon. He'll be back next week. But in his stead, we have a guest here. He is, I don't know if he was on the show in the past or not. There was a guy called Max Smashmaster on this podcast, episode 32, nearly two years ago, just about exactly two years ago. But uh, this man looks similar to him. I'm not sure that it is him. What should I call you? It is me. It is Max Smashmaster. Also, uh, my alter ego, my normal life persona, Scott. Don't look up my last name because I don't want you to join me on uh, Facebook. I don't want anything to do with you fans. Uh, <laughs> or Sebastian Reese, as I once wrestled as, but no one knows me as that either. So you can just call me Scott. That's fine. The city. The city. Yes, the city. Not, not big, big city. Not big city. No. no. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> well, it is good to have you here or back, whichever. And I, I'm happy to be filling in for uh, Brian Malonis and Brian Fury in this case, because generally this is his spot to be your you know, third host. And, and now it's my, my job to fill in. It is. And we are here in the New England Pro Wrestling Academy in the lounge. It's a little different from usual. Usually we're up in the office. But Brian Fury is not here. I heard that he returned to town last night not only returned to town but he announced his return to the ring michael i did hear about that and uh, i don't know if he's going to show up today him and i have a little uh issue maybe he will stay home and not come in here hopefully but if he does we will probably well, talk get back into fight and shape so he, he might just run in and just beat the piss out of you <laughs> that's always a possibility so we are here in the nepwa and last we heard from you max slash scott yeah. you were getting beat up by kimberly i think yeah she she you know took one over on me on a fluke i took that saudi arabia money and i did the job for her and uh <laughs> and uh, actually one year ago uh Pretty much when this is coming out, this will be out, what, the, the 19th, the 18th? Uh, Something like that, yeah. It'll be a, one year since my last professional wrestling match when I, I didn't retire because only people who make money retire. Uh, I quit the business. Why? A full-time pro wrestling trainer. Well, and a heart condition. Oh, that little thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> you all right? Yeah, well, I have heart surgery in about a month and a half. So. Oh, really? Yeah, fun stuff. Oh, my goodness. It's okay. Yeah? It's, not, it's a minimally invasive heart surgery, so. 
Okay, so I'll be good. I'll live. That that's that's good to hear. Yeah, that's very good to hear. I'm shooting this news on you guys, you didn't know. Yeah, so as two years ago, or no, a year ago. A year ago, I had my last match. Yes, I was good. I was in a recovery from my heart condition, and then it came back about a month and a half ago. About a month, yeah. And uh, now I have to have a little bit of heart surgery. But let's not be Debbie Downers about it. I'll be <laughs> fine. I'll be fine. I'm on. I'm in no uh, risk of a stroke right now because I'm on my medication, so we'll be good. And you talked about training. You are training right here at the NEPWA now. Yes, I'm one of the six uh, illustrious trainers here at the six. New England Pro Wrestling Academy, located at 100 Belmont Street, North Andover. Come down and sign up. Be a pro wrestler. Right. I only see two trainers listed on the website. And, of course, the website hasn't been updated since oh, 2012. big but- meeting. I- I'm going to shoot on Brian Fury because I know <laughs> we had this big meeting. He's like, we're going to update. We're going to take photos of you. Harry's going to take photos of you. We're going to do rundowns and put you on the website. That was a year and a half ago. Yeah, they're still congratulating Mercedes Sasha Banks for winning the women's she title. She did win the women's title. <laughs> she did. I mean, that is a big thing. Congratulations to her. That's good. But hey, I'd like to see my face on. I mean, if I could only watch gifts of myself, read about myself, watch wrestling videos of myself, I would because I'm a total mark for myself. So me being on a website of you know the best pro wrestling training school in the Northeast, if not the country, that's better for me. So you know who the webmaster is of that website? You? No. Oh. Your former tag team partner. Mike Bennett? The Ray. The Ray. My, my, Mike Bennett. <laughs> well, he was my former tag team partner. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, don't know. He's, I, don't know. I think he's, he's got better things I, to be a webmaster yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dropped that name. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> what else am I going to say? The Ray? Yes. What's he ever done? <laughs> not not update the website. A, sh- a shitty webmaster. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So hopefully he gets on top of that. He's and too busy looking up videos or photos of the aliens that don't exist and conspiracy theories. Right. I did hear you on For the Pops. Yeah. I might have even heard your your last name on that show, but we yeah, won't Scott get into it. Mean, oh, oh. Look me up. I, I can say it. <laughs> no one will be ever, ever be able to spell it because there's like a silent letter. G U, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> oh, we got someone else here. We'll bring him in in just yeah. one second. My wrestling dad. Yes. Uh, drove me here in my car seat. Before we get going, <laughs> before we get going, Brian Malone is com. I, I'm contractually obligated mm-hmm. to put over Brian Malonis' website yeah. where you can buy t-shirts, including the Mega Malonis shirt, the uh, Mastodon t-shirt, the Kingpin shirt, and the, of course, the most importantly, Nudes. the... No, that's the other website. Oh, okay. The Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. That oh, is... Yes. Uh, yeah, I own one. I purchased one. You did. No, I didn't. I know you didn't, because I haven't seen a dime from those shirts. Please, purchase a shirt. It's very nice. Thank you very much. It's very soft and cottony. Uh, yes, they, as they well. do make nice uh, quality shirts. At ProWrestlingTees.com. But, uh, go I actually f- have a Pro Wrestling Tees uh, store as well still. Really? We still get sales. It's weird. I haven't wrestled uh, as my tag team in over two years, two and a half years, and boom, still get sales every month. Doesn't make any sense to me. That's uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Devastation Corporation. You're just rubbing it right in. He's still getting sales. I gotta get my plugs in. He's still getting sales. Two, I yeah. haven't seen a sale. Uh, all right. VWPAN.com. That is the website for the podcast where there are no nudes currently. Gotcha. But we're working on it. Working on it. Yeah. Working on it. You can also find ways to subscribe, all the different podcast apps, including Spotify. We are on Spotify. Check us out there. The WPAN.com bios, photos, all kinds of crap, and no nudes on the WPAN.com. And the Facebook group, Putting Over Podcasts. Just go to Facebook, put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts. Join the conversation there, talking about all wrestling podcasts. 
And finally, he's sitting here. He's been a mute for the past 10 minutes. He's uh, indulged us as we've uh, gone on about your illustrious career, Max slash Scott. But joining us, he is a man who is, speaking of Brian Fury, Brian Fury's hidden gem. We have found out a couple weeks ago on this podcast. His name is Sonny Goodspeed. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you here. It's been a long time coming. It's been a real long time because I remember I listened to the first couple episodes and we had talked about coming on and I had mentioned it and then I begged and then I had to pay you finally to get on. Right. I appreciate you and the check will definitely cash. It'll clear. You sure? Yeah, it'll clear. No problem. Sonny's the hardest person to book ever. (laughs) He'll just kayfabe you, not show up, text you three days later, be like, hey, what's going on? Like nothing ever happened. Hey, man, I I live a busy life. I I got stuff going on. Yeah, my kids did move out, but I got dogs, <laughs> right? And I kind of enjoy them more than my kids because they give me <laughs> unconditional love. You know what I mean? Right. Like I can step outside to bring the garbage out, come back in, they they treat me like I've been gone for years, all over me. It's tremendous. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's kind of the way when you walked in here. It, we were exactly all so right. happy to see Big you. I, the streamers, the hugs, it was crazy. The cake over there, it's amazing. <laughs> I was uh, I was talking to your other guest um, in the green room there, and I'm sorry if they get bumped. You know they're real celebrities, but I, right. I appreciate the spread you put on in there, the uh, lobster rolls and stuff. It was <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, I was really surprised you were able to get David Arquette over here from I was uh, actually going to say David yeah, Arquette, but I didn't know if it was okay. No, it's okay. I mean, to drop people his name. probably know that he's Well, I mean, you dropped Mike Bennett's right name, so why would I be able to drop <laughs> David Arquette's name? We're going to need a mop, by the way, for David Arquette. He's bleeding out over in the yeah, corner yeah. of the uh, room. He is bleeding out, and that's just from walking into the building. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Scott mentioned that he's one of six trainers. The other couple of trainers that I just wanted to mention is um, the real deal, Joel Davis. Right. Uh, the skunk. <laughs> uh, who else? Oh, the Granite State Warrior, trained by Jeff Costa. Wow. He had a tattoo of Ultimate Warrior on his back, who's delicious. Pinky Petunia. Pinky Petunia, yeah. When he uh, gets on his work release program or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, he comes in to train as well. It's, it's, a, it's a virtual who's who. Of Murderer's Row. Murderer's Row of, <laughs> of New England wrestling. It's dignitaries. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and you are, uh, I, I'm hearing you're ready to step in if anything should happen to Brian Fury. You're ready to step in as head trainer. I, you know, not only as head trainer and owner of Chaotic and the New England Pro Wrestling, but that lovely wife of his, too. I'll make sure that she's taken care of. <laughs> Okay. If anything happens, <laughs> and, God forbid. And potential chaotic heavyweight champion, of course. Oh, and potential. Right. Yeah. I'll step in and fill his role as I'll do the goal. I'll do the, uh, what's his name? Brock Lesnar, though, and only defend like once every three years because <laughs> I have to find my gear and my boots and stuff. I don't know where the hell Benny packed that shit. So. Yeah, because well, Brian Fury is coming back. So he may not have time for this little school here. He may not. He's going to be on a full schedule. He's, I could see the Rocky montage now. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can see it. He's coming back, and he's going to defend it all over the place and get booked everywhere. You know, he's probably got a couple shots with, you know, NECW. I heard they're making a strong comeback, so he'll probably get booked there, too. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, so Scott. So, Scott. Yes. How did you first meet this gentleman here, Sonny Goodspeed? I met Sonny Goodspeed in oh probably 2006 or so i went down to do a show for bob evans uh ah. at, at like some church in seekonk and uh i wrestled uh sunny goodspeed and dj dancing dave baron yeah there, wasn't there, the wasn't there a spot in that that you, he didn't want to take or you you i went to give him a, a back suplex and and generally you'll feel okay this is a back suplex he didn't know what a back suplex was, so I gave it to him. Didn't jump. It was like lifting, you know, a hundred pounds of. Uh, to his defense, 
you're 17 feet tall and 320 pounds. He probably thought you were shooting on him and we're going to throw him through the... I was 18, 19 years old at the time. And I was probably 225 pounds. And you were strong as a freaking ox, though. He probably thought you were shooting on him. He was like, F so that. I don't, that's not my bump, suplex. kid. That's he not my up, bump. He gets up and goes, this kid's shooting on me. <laughs> tags out. <laughs> <laughs> and who was your partner? Never to be seen again. Uh, not the Ray. Jake. No. His name is Jake. Jake. Uh, he, was he was a good, legitimate shooter, right? He was a legitimate. He was a good yeah. kid. He, he now does not wrestle, but. He was probably about 14 or 15 at that time. He was, he was crazy. Yeah, so it was crazy. Yeah. I remember he brought his homework with him to that show, <laughs> and he asked me to check it out. Wow. <laughs> Did you get I, it right? I said it was all correct. I don't know math. Though, no, idea. So no idea. No idea. No idea. I said it was correct. So you talked about uh, DJ Barron was your tag team partner, and that is like your oldest friend even before wrestling, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I just turned 46 in September. So I've been best friends with Dave. I met him when I was seven years old. I'm really? no mathematician, but that's like 52 years we've been friends. Something like that. Yeah, it is. It's a long time. We literally met. Uh, we grew up in the tree streets of downtown Nashua, and we met on this place called Ash Court, and uh, we bonded over pro wrestling. And it's amazing to me. Here we are. Again, thirty uh, so thirty nine years, and I talk to Dave five times a week. Probably he comes over to my house for all the UFC pay per views. Uh, we go to shows together. Well, when I go to shows, we go to <laughs> sometimes go to shows together. It's crazy to me. And uh, he's been there when my kids were born. I've been there when with his son was born. Yeah, thirty nine years, man. That's a, that's a freaking long time. So it was like a natural that him and I eventually ended up. It only took fifteen years after starting pro wrestling that we actually put somebody put us together as a team, but. It was a great time, man. He's he's, he's just such an awesome cat. He's extremely nice Dave. guy. Yeah, he's extremely nice guy. I love. He's a very nice guy. I uh, did my research as I mentioned earlier. I watched uh, Leo Connor's videos. Go check out on YouTube Leo Connor's. He interviews like all the luminaries of New England pro wrestling. Is it called uh, the Ring and all the Ring other and sports? all other sports? Yeah, just it's such a catchy name. It just sticks in. It's your not crowd. long at all. But he does talk about all the sports. He's a huge hockey fan. Uh, he grew up in downtown Lowell, so he's a huge boxing fan. He loves mixed martial arts. He loves football, everything. It just so happens that he has contacts with wrestling, so he talks a lot about pro wrestling. So, And so, like I said, I was watching his videos, and you and Dave uh, were at a show at the Boston Garden, yes. right? And then you happened to run into a couple of gentlemen, right? It was a gentleman. It was Donnie. If I, it, I don't know how to describe Donnie. He wrestled up in Maine as Cactus Donnie. Is that right? Oh, him? Yeah. <laughs> Cactus with a K. Cactus with a K, yeah. <laughs> so he came up to us, and I swear I thought he was going to ask us for money for like his homeless shelter or something, because he could barely speak or for English. Him, right? Yeah, or for him, yeah. He he could barely speak English. Well, he could speak English, just not very well. Right. Hey, I think he has like like shark's mouth. He has like seven rows of teeth. He was He's literally, I think, declared mentally handicapped or physically handicapped. And uh, he was passing out these flyers, and it was for this thing called the FCWA. It was Full Contact Wrestling Alliance. And we started looking over the flyer, and we noticed that it's right in Nashua. It's five seconds up the road from where I'm currently living. I'm like, what the hell is this? What year is this, by the way? <sighs> 91, 90, okay. 91 or 90. So I chased the kid down. I go, hey, man, what is this all about? He goes, this is what he said to me. He said, and I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I followed him, and he introduced me to Jeff Costa. Jeff Costa. Yeah, Jeff Costa, who actually lived up the road. And what his idea was, he wanted to start a, uh, like, kind of like, remember the old Japan UWFI? It was right. kind of like a shoot work. 
well, you wanted to do that kind of thing. So we talked to him about it, and he told us his credentials. He was one of Kowalski's like second class or something like that. Kevin Hughes and John Callahan were in the first class. He was in the second class. Shortly after training with Walter, he shipped out to Vancouver, and that's where he stayed most of well, all of his career, and then moved back to Nashville. Where Bruiser Costa was his name up there Bruiser in Canada. Costa, right. He yeah. was Bruiser Costa Yeah, worked for Al, Tomko, yeah, worked for Al in, uh, Tomko in the Vancouver territory. Vancouver AWA. AWA, yeah. correct. Right. And uh, you could catch his stuff online. It's hysterical. It, yeah. Stuff is... Eh. Stuff is ah, you want to see ah. me do a bruiser in the box? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> bruiser in the box, Santa Claus. Like the, the Santa Claus skit is amazing. It's it's is one of the funniest things I've I've ever seen. So we get talking to Jeff, and he tells us what he wants to do. He wants to do his full contact, so part work, part shoot. Now I was never an uh, uh, amateur wrestler or anything like that, but I yeah I was a young athletic kid. So we get, all get together at his house, and we're in his backyard, and there's like six or seven of us. And he's like, all right, let's just, we're going to shoot around a little bit and do a little bit of amateur style wrestling. Again, I, I'd seen enough of it. I grew up at the Boys and Girls Club, watched the wrestling team, watched those kind of things. So I was, um, my aptitude towards it came generally easy. Yeah. And I just pretty much whooped everybody's ass. Excuse and Jeff me. stood back, yeah, Jeff stood back and goes, oh, this ain't going to fucking work. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he goes uh, you guys want to learn how to work or do you want to do this shoot fighting thing? And they all raised their hand for the work. Of course. And I was like, I'll do whatever. I don't give a... I'm, I'm, I'm 19, winning. <laughs> I'm 19 years old. I'll I'll take a punch to the face. I'll punch him. I don't give a shit. Testosterone you coursing know? through your veins. Exactly. At 19 years old, I was walking around with a perpetual heart on. It was... <laughs> you couldn't take me down. You know what I mean? It was crazy. And uh, so they all decided, that, well, let's learn how to work. And uh, so that's what he That's what he did. We were bumping. I believe it was December or January. And I'm bumping on frozen lawn furniture. <laughs> Not... Not the furniture, just the padding, frozen <laughs> to the ground. So on top of the frozen ground, it's like a concrete block that, yeah, just fall on your back. That's how you do it. I go, what do you mean? He goes, ah, you just tuck your chin and uh, throw, your, throw your feet in the air. I go, uh, all right. <laughs> he didn't Got show it. you, though, right? No, of course not. No. 19 years old. Taking a bump on that kid. I was like, <laughs> I was like wow, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. So then we continued to do that. So for the first year, we didn't even step in a ring. I got my training, and this this is I I think this is the best way it could have happened for me. We would sit in his house and watch shows, his old shows, new shows, everything. We would just watch wrestling, and we'd break it down. So I learned psychology of a match before I learned how to freaking tie up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we would sit and talk about stuff and why we did this and why he did this, and and I would watch old matches, and and this is why this makes sense, and you know I regret doing this. I should have done it this way. So you learn the steps of a match. Again, before even tying up. So when it came to tying up, I was like, oh, "Fucking, this is easy. This is easy." But I'm sure at the time you were like, "Fuck, let's get in the ring." Yeah, exactly. At the <laughs> at the time, I was like, "Okay, enough talking. <laughs> enough sitting here eating pizza and fruit punch. Like, let's <laughs> let's fucking let's go kick some <laughs> the training food, pizza and yeah. fruit punch. Wait, can we get free pizza and fruit punch right now? I think David that's... Arquette's finishing the last pepperoni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that bastard. Yeah, what's he ever done? Scream. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Get a lot of color. Get a lot of color. So we uh, so finally spring rolls around of the next year. So I believe this is 92, 93 maybe. And Home Depot makes his delivery of lumber in his yard. And he put together a wooden ring. The only thing steel on it was the spring. And uh, I happened to be delivering parts for a car dealership at the time or a parts store. So I was able to buy a couple of heavy-duty like truck coil springs. Mm-hmm. I had those welded together on top of a, a tire rim and then a steel block in the middle. And the wood was built on that. We put the ropes together. 
four by four post. Jeff hit the ropes one time, snapped a four by four post. He goes, "Well, that ain't gonna work either." That's, that's, Jeff said that a lot. That, that ain't gonna work. So then we we took a ride to the local fencing company, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, I need uh, I need some fence post." He goes, uh, "For what? You gonna build a fence?" Nah, a uh, wrestling ring. Guy's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? So we go, and uh, he goes, well, here's all our scrap stuff. So we bought four posts, had them cut down to size. One of the posts was half filled with concrete. That post weighed, I don't know, 280 <laughs> fucking pounds, and that was the one I always got stuck carrying. It was insanely heavy. Had those welded together, put the ring back up, and then that started it. And so we just started training in there. This is Jeff's training. Uh, Sonny, uh, throw a drop kick. I'm like, how do you throw a drop kick? Oh, you fucking both feet in the air. You just hit him in the face. <laughs> all right. So that's what I do. It. I do it, and he's going, all right, do it again. Make sure it wasn't an accident. That was his other best part of training. <laughs> just do it again so it would make sure it wasn't an accident if it came out good. So that was it, man. It was this all started there. Dave and I were the only ones out of the original class that stuck with it. Are you shocked by that? I, at You're the bumping time, on you know, concrete, uh, lawn furniture, pillows yeah. in someone's backyard <laughs> on concrete. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I can't uh, imagine someone was like, oh, this is a great idea. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably wasn't that shocked. <laughs> yeah. So then Jeff got in touch with um, Big City and John Callahan, and and I we went down to a show in Fitchburg or something, and and uh, Hacksaw was on the show, I remember. And so I just met John and John and Rick at that time. Jeff was putting me over. Oh, this kid, he's going to be good, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Jeff goes, hey, get in the ring with Hacksaw and take a bump. This is during the photo session at intermission, you know, taking the Polaroids. <laughs> so I stood in the ring. I'm looking around. I got plenty of room. I start doing a little bounce. I slap my shoulders like Pedro, you know, roll them around a little bit. Right. And then I just took this monstrous bump in the ring. Everything stopped for like 30 seconds. Everybody looked at me. I got up, dusted myself off, and walked out. They were. I popped them. I popped Rick and John, and then... We were off to the races. So man. you didn't bump from Hacksaw. Hacksaw was just there. He just happened incidentally. to be in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. He, just, <laughs> just he was there signing an autograph, and I was like, ah. Check it out. Check it out. Look what I can do. Because, <laughs> again, I'm fucking 20 years old at this time or whatever. I had no freaking clue. I'd probably look at the biggest mark ever, but I don't know, man. I was just, Again, stupid. So where was your first match? Was it down there? No. My first match was uh, January of 94 at a place called Richard's Catering in Hudson, New Hampshire. And literally, it's a catering hall. Our dressing room was in the uh, kitchen, so probably super sanitary. You're a cook, right? That's probably sanitary. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, grown sweaty guys around. Yeah, sweaty grown men's around. hairy yeah. balls just swinging around <laughs> pots and pans. No cross-contamination. Not there. at all. No. We were careful. We wore gloves <laughs> at all times. Indy pads. And, yeah. And then the office was upstairs. That's where Jeff and Butcher Hughes were. So that show... We had to go out and find other guys to work on the show because we didn't really know anybody. So we had kind of just gone to other shows, and we got Bob Evans, we got Johnny Royal, we got Rip Morrison, uh, Nick Steele was on that show. And this wasn't full contact. Like no, this like, was this was complete. This is this AWA or this was at this time it was called Ringside Wrestling. All oh, right, okay, yeah, Ringside Wrestling. Jeff stressed the importance of ah, this is your first match, kid. You gotta you gotta sell some tickets, and selling tickets is great. You know, your friends that aren't into wrestling, they'll come see you once, twice. Yes. They're not coming to see any more than that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But that first show, we had a, I say a packed house, but it was probably, you know, 140, 150 people, because that's what it fit. You know what I mean? And what so, year was that? That was 94. 94. That was 94. So it was, uh, I remember Tony Roy came to the show, and I'm up in the office. Tony Roy's in the, we grew up right. in the same town. He was a year or two older than I was, but we had worked out at the YMCA together, so we knew each other. Not super, super friendly. We just knew each other. But I remember he showed up to the show and wanted to get some work. And I remember Jeff looked at him. He goes, 
ah, you're fucking ugly. You're going to put a mask on you. <laughs> so <laughs> Tony's like, I'll take him back bite. He's like, uh, uh. I, I don't. Uh, I don't need. I just think he left. I didn't, he never worked for us. He ended up going home. But I remember as clear as day. Jeff goes. Ah, you're kind of fucking ugly. You uh, got to put a mask on you. I'm sorry to interrupt. We have uh, someone just showed up. Showing up late, Michael. You, you you know a little thing or two about that, from what I hear. Uh, well, yes, he was, he was late. We Scott and I were here waiting. Well, I mean, that, that's uh, that's a given. Yeah, that's freaking was crazy. He was late to my wedding. You hear he this? was no, he was not. He <laughs> missed the ceremony. It was such a short ceremony. It was like one of those space ball things. Do what, you yes? Do you, you yes? To do a, a 20, 30, 40 minute ceremony. Some like songs, to, to yeah. The, to the JP, stall, stall. <laughs> nice stall. and quick. Fifteen yeah. minutes in and out. The JP goes. Hey, uh, where'd y'all come in from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing mic work, waiting. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I, we were a little. Uh, we're still trying to work out timing. You guys are our parents. Tw- timing, where? Uh, how can I get someplace? Forty six years he's been on this world, <laughs> <laughs> but not a forty six. I'm forty three. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at his watch. <laughs> Late to everything, this man. I can't believe a wedding though. That's crazy. Just so you know, Brian, if I would have been invited, I would have been on time. Well, you didn't get your invitation in the mail? No, I must have. Maybe you, you gave me have. the wrong address. Did you send it to 20 Spruce Street? Spruce. Oh, see? <laughs> that's what it was. That was so, That's what it was. Yeah, my damn neighbor didn't give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, I mean, let's... Gloss over this. So if this, we're, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I know where this is going. I, I'm sorry. Am I forgiven? I know where this is going? This is being recorded Saturday morning, bright and early. Yes. The night after a chaotic wrestling show. Breaking point. Uh, go on. Go on. Let's. Well, uh, I mean, do I have to go back and edit a podcast uh, where you announced your retirement? Do I have to take that all out? Do I have to scrap that whole episode now? Because well, we kind of already brought it up, so so you know what it is, but. It was quite the surprise to everyone last night that Brian came out, well, he could potentially be coming out of retirement to win the Chaotic Heavyweight Championship. You potentially? That's his promotion. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny said he's ready ready to step in as the head trainer. I actually, yeah. Were you you there last night? Sonny? I, wa- I, oh. I showed up right before you. I left before you got there. Eight, <laughs> oh, minutes, okay. eight minutes before the bell ended the show. <laughs> I, I left right before you got there. Uh, my flight was delayed like an hour and a half. I landed, drove right to the arena. I was in the back for maybe three or four minutes before I went out to That's the ring. So it's like the Doug Mirabelli of uh, Chaotic <laughs> Wrestling. Yes. That is an exact <laughs> text that I sent to someone. I said, I, I want to get the uh, the Doug Mirabelli uh, police escort, escort up, <laughs> up to Haverhill High. Scott, do you get that reference? You don't follow any other sports, so. Okay. <laughs> that was a great reference, though. Yeah. So what went into this decision? Do so, you, is it? Look, look. Okay. Long, long story short, you know, I retired two years ago. I had a lot of things that I wanted to do. You know, I really wanted to cement the school and, and grow the school. I've done that. I really wanted to start promoting and things like that. After a year, I did that. I've been doing that for a year. I got married, went on my honeymoon, stabilized a lot of things in my personal, professional life. I'm healthier now than I've been in a very, very, very long time. That's yes, because you're not fucking bumping anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so this is by no means, in no way, shape, or form, a return to the ring full time. Oh, fuck that! No, it's gonna no. be like just like your idol Brock Lesnar, right? Well, I, I, so here's <laughs> here's the real thing. A couple months ago, I tweeted, you know, if Shawn Michaels comes back and does a match, I mean, I can come back and do a match. So that fucking guy did it. So thanks a lot, Shawn. 
Yeah, how much money do the Saudis offer you? My to... buddy Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Your buddy Sean. Your good friend? Yeah. My, my That's pal. a couple of name yeah. drops this morning already. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Uh, it's one of those things where since I only have you know one match to do, I can literally put everything out there, whatever's left of my body, out online in that one match. And, but, and but what really if you win? Then you're the champion. What Here's if you win? Thing. Oh. If I win, I can defend it when I want. It's my promotion. Like you just There's said. no 30-day rule? There's no 30-day rule in Catacrest. I don't know if Jack Tunney would approve. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't approve. No way. Do you know who Jack Tunney is? <laughs> uh, you're young. Son you're young. You're of course young. I know who Jack Tunney is. I don't is. know. I'm not an idiot. I, <laughs> I don't know who Doug Mirabelli is. I'm sure he's a Boston Red Sox player who had a police escort. There <laughs> we go. I know who he is now. There you, you go. Well you done. just pieced it together. You know who's yeah. going to be pissed about this, though? Alex Arion. Yep. He came out of retirement to have your last match. That's very true. And, and you fucked him over. Yeah. It's he kinda... thought it was something special. He texted me this morning. He's fucking mad. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's very angry. While he was eating his eggs, he was very displeased. <laughs> so, December 7th? December 7th, 2018, Woburn, Massachusetts. Get One night only. Get your tickets now. Chaotic Wrestling, Brian Fury versus JT Dunn. Are those tickets on sale already? Uh, we sold a lot last night. Uh, the ticket link should go up Monday. So by the time this podcast is out, the ticket link should be up on CataclysmWrestling.com. That's going to be a hot ticket because it the is. return of Brian Fury and the place where he had his last match. Uh, Brian, you've wrestled JT a handful of times at this point. Uh, yeah, a couple, th- uh, three times in chaotic wrestling, and then a couple times, uh, a couple other places. We had a very good rivalry, and we have we have great chemistry inside the ring. So I think this is one of those things. And the scenario that we laid out last night, where he's been calling himself the greatest chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion, it was a good scenario and a good angle, and, and something that kind of gives a reason and like like a not to sound like lame or anything, like a dream match type scenario for me to come back and, and have a match. So. Hopefully that whole thing plays out and makes people want to come and, and buy tickets. The bottom line is now that I'm an owner of Chaotic Wrestling, and it's great that I can go out there and wrestle and do it, but it's also I'm looking at this as a business, and hopefully me returning to the ring will help sell extra tickets and work in a business standpoint as well. And one last question for me. Do you think you'll shave your head completely bald before this? Like Shawn Michaels. Like your pal Shawn Michaels. (laughs) I am holding on to these 10 strands of hair that make this mohawk as long as I can. I am looking at the the light glisten through. Easily through that hair. It's it's freshly washed right now, so it's uh, even lighter than normal. Is that how it works? Yeah. So Wash your hair, it just gets real thin. Normally, I wash my hair like twice a week, and like after a day or two, it'll start to get, get a little thicker, a little greasy and stuff, and it looks like normal hair. But uh, when the, when I freshly wash it, yeah, not not so much, not so much at all. Uh, Sonny, we know, we know yeah. the struggle. No, I know the struggle. Sonny's not going to wash his I head used for to a have, month. I used to have long, glorious hair. I would bleach it blonde. I started getting the little bald spot. I'm so fucking vain. As soon as that happened, man, I was gone. Shaved it, gone. I'm not doing that that fucking ring or anything. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, well, I won't do the ring. No, I won't do the Costanza. <laughs> but as, if you saw, like, I got those widow's peaks real bad. And so if you watch when I had all long hair, my bandana that I used to wear would get thicker and thicker every month. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, screw this. And I shaved it into the mohawk. Like, So when I shave my head now with the mohawk, you can't see those widow's peaks. But as you can see now, it's, the sides are starting to grow in. So you can really see where those are pretty, pretty deep up there. It's it's a matter of time. I, I'm I'm gonna be sporting this good speed and Crockett look here. I think. So. <laughs> well, we sport you. I, it's really terrible. Like when I had to go, I felt like Hercules. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I used to be able to do whatever with it. I was doing the man buns before that was a before that was a thing. You know really? What I mean? Yeah, I call him a douche knot now, but 
Yeah. Scott, you never had long hair, right? I did have slightly long hair, nothing to the point of where you had it yeah. or anything. But yeah, I, I can grow my hair. My hair is super thick. I get it from my, my mom's side, and uh, I don't think I'll ever lose my hair. That's Son a of a bitch. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. I can't grow a beard to save my life, so I get one or the other. It's because you still get that baby face. That's why. I'm fucking 31 years old and fat, and I'm not a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Fury's off doing his thing. Sonny, your first match, what was your gimmick for your first match? Ah, uh, So, you know, because I'm such an ugly dude, I had to get put in a mask, <laughs> and uh, like Tony Roy, yeah. and I had to fight for the red, white, and blue. My friend, I was Captain USA. Uh, I oh. actually have the Captain USA jacket in my car. That's a good spot for it. That's an heirloom. You don't believe that in the <laughs> we car. We could take a picture of it. We could put it up on the social we media. Could. for That'd the be w- nice. I don't yeah, think yeah. it'll fit me anymore. Uh, I brought it specifically because I knew nice. that you would be yeah. here. Not yeah. that I actually left it in my so, car for the last year. You know, so. Jeff's thinking was that like it's easy to chain USA, which he's absolutely right. Right. I mean, that's old school carny stuff. You know what I mean? But it was easy. And then he claimed himself to be from you know Canada's greatest athlete kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I spent so much time in Canada. So it was easy, USA versus Canada. And, uh, you know, even the Emmons from Nashua can chant USA. <laughs> you familiar with the Emmons? No. I'm familiar with You're the Emmons. You're familiar with yeah. the Emmons. Emmons are an uh, incest family in Nashua that literally the town of Nashua built them a house to get them away from downtown. They built them a house. Is that real? That's it's absolutely real. real. Yeah, that's an ab- they, The town said, listen, we don't want you in our, even our projects. We don't want you living in our projects anymore. We're going to build you a house. But it's far away from everybody else. And they built it way out beyond the dump in Nashua and uh, moved them all out there. <laughs> it, co- it cost them went up to the door and offered them like 30 tickets. And they all came out. <laughs> yes, yes. Man, you guys they were like out, they were And that's, honest to God, this is Jeff's honest thinking. We had to run the uh, first weekend of the month because that's when they got their, their welfare checks and stuff. So they would be able to buy tickets. You know, the welfare checks typically come in around the 3rd, so we were typically running the Saturday after. Right. And that's a God's honest truth, because they would be 25 of them and all buy tickets. You know, they'd be at the door. Show started at 7, they're at the door at 3.30, you know, <laughs> waiting for us. I don't know how the hell they got Big out there. Doings. Yeah. They got up in the morning, walked probably, there, and then... <laughs> They parked their hobo bags and, uh, <laughs> and just walked. It was crazy. Yeah. But yeah, they would always be there, front row. Hey, hey, good speed. Hey, good speed. I know that's you under the mask. Shut the fuck up, I'd say. <laughs> that was a good baby face. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff Costa, very infamous in the New England region. Uh, not only Bruiser Costa, but he, later he was known as Lobster Man. So here's the story with the Lobster Man. Him and I are driving in his car one day, and he says, uh, he goes, ah, I got this idea. He goes, nobody's ever seen a 300-pound lobster. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, just one time. He goes, I'm gonna do. He goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get uh, some lobster claws sewn up for me. You know, big foam lobster claws. I'm gonna get a mask and I'm gonna be the lobster man. He said one time he was gonna do it. Just one time. <laughs> Here we are, fucking twenty years later, still talking about the lobster man. You know, people don't remember Jeff Costa or Bruiser Costa, but they remember. Don't the lobster you man. say that because if you go on his social media. He put up a poll, and maybe six or seven people voted in it, and they want to see the old stuff. They want to see the Bruiser Costa. This is what he okay. says, obviously. Yeah. But yes, <laughs> and no yeah. one remembers Bruiser Costa, and no one ever wants to see Bruiser Costa versus Killer Hughes again, but <sighs> everyone remembers Lobster Man. Didn't he run for president? Yeah, he re- he legitimately ran for, for president. He was on The Daily Show. Absolutely. He was on The Daily Show. He Like, all the local news, he, it was crazy. He... um. 
So we had a guy that was wrestling for us, Jason Sanderson, the Wolfman, right? Who happened to win the Powerball? Yes, the like, best story in wrestling. Right. He <laughs> at the time it was the largest Powerball drawing in history, and he won it. Him and his wife Mary. And he was, was he was a wrestler for Lobby Man at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was the most insane thing. So I remember being at work. I was working at Sadman Nashville at the time. So this is 95, 96 or something, 96. And uh, I just remember getting a call because we didn't have cell phones back then at work saying, hey, uh, keep your eye on the news. Eh? I think we might have known somebody that hit the Powerball. And, you know, 90, I'm like, what the hell's Powerball? <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, it's a freaking lottery drawing like Megabucks because that's what New England's all Megabucks. So yeah. I'm watching the news and they're like, oh, local Man- Manchester man. And I started putting it all together, a couple more phone calls. And we were like, holy shit. So suddenly, uh, Lobster Man wants to run for president. <laughs> so he got He's funded. a campaign manager. Yeah, he's campaign manager, Wolfman. <laughs> God, it was the most bizarre situation, and he ran under the crustacean party. It was uh, <laughs> it was tremendous. It was the weirdest thing. At that point, though, Jeff and I had kind of had, we were on the outs a little bit. When I first started, like I said, I was a young, impressionable guy. I grew up um, without a dad. Um, my mom passed when I was four. My dad split two months after. So I was raised by my aunt and my grandmother. There were seven of us, seven kids. So Jeff was the closest thing to a dad at that time that I had ever had at you know 19 years old. So I really, like, this guy to me was like a father figure. But him and I had kind of had, a, we're on the outs because I think I just grew a pair of balls and I stopped being a yes man. You know, if um, if something sucked, if I thought it sucked, I'd be like, Jeff, that's not what you taught us. That sucks. Why would you do that? And then he'd get heated, you know, and then we'd have a... It, so it, it, instead of me going to his house every day and over this house for every holiday, because I spent every holiday at his house, his wife, Monica, who, for, for the love of God, is a saint. She's the best woman. Um, she would feed me. Like, till, like <laughs> just, Dave and I, we would just go over for every holiday and she'd feed us. But Jeff and I, just we just weren't the same anymore because I think I started speaking up and whether he thought it was disrespectful or, or whatever the case was, I just wasn't, I didn't want to be considered a yes man anymore. And if I thought something was going to suck or something wasn't right, I was speaking up. And I wanted to work more than just Hudson Lions Hall. It was tough though, because like I would contact Eugenio, who Steve Bradley was working for, and I was close to Steve Bradley. And I'd say, hey man, I, I want to go work down Fall River. I want to work these other places. And he'd say, I can't book you. You're Costa's boy. You're Costa's boy. So that made it hot for me. I started getting heated. I wanted to work for Tony Rumble. Ah, you're a Costas boy. You're Costas boy. And I'm like, I'm fucking not Costas boy. I'm a fucking wrestler. I just want to wrestle. Put me in a fucking ring. Let me do what I do. Wrestling was so odd back then. It was so odd. Like, these guys literally have no idea. Like, some of these kids that I I met at the Less Chaotic show I went to, they don't have any idea idea who I am, which is fine. But, like, uh, they have no idea how easy they have it. They really have no clue. Um, when I first started, I got I got the opportunity to wrestle Tony Atlas. Tony loved working with me because I was super agreeable. I was light. I was easy to work with, and I was fun. And uh, he gave me a shit ton of numbers. He said, kid, you need to get out there and start working. He goes, I'm going to give you a bunch of numbers. Let's get you booked. So I was in contact. This is like two years into the business, maybe even a year. I was in contact with Grizzly Smith down in uh, Texas for the Sportatorium. My goal when I started wrestling was watching wrestling at nine years old I want to wrestle in the sportatorium. World I had class, no idea yeah. that it was a that it was a rat infested shed. You know what I mean? <laughs> but as a kid, I'm like, that's why I want to fucking wrestle, right? I want to be with the Freebirds and the Von Erichs are. So I'm on the phone with Grizzly Smith. I'm two weeks out. I don't know that I've ever even told the story. I'm two weeks out from getting a starting date to wrestle for Texas for Grizzly Smith. 
Grizzly falls ill. They boot him out of the booking office, and in comes Mantel, Dutch, uh, Rick Mantel, or one of the men. Johnny Mantel? What is it? Johnny Mantel? Maybe. It was one of those guys that worked for Texas. He took over the book. There goes my booking for Texas. All right? Gone. Yeah. Otto Vons in Germany. Tony says, you're going to do great there. You're going to go there six months or three months or whatever it is. You're going to come back a fucking world-class worker. You're gonna, it's going to be the best experience for you. You wrestle Otto, every day over there, right? The every day. Fair shows. Fair shows. Dude, it's a couple times a day. A couple times a day, yeah. seven, seven days a like week. The same people, so yeah. you have to change it so up So you have to change it up. Time. And they were doing the round systems, and Ottawa loved big guys. I'm not a giant. Like, if you see me at your grocery store, I'm a big dude. But you put me, like, in any sporting event, like at a football game or something like that, or a football yeah. against football players, I'm like the size of a running back except overweight. You know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm like 5'10". At the time, I was probably... 280 pounds, 290 pounds, but I was a big, I was like, again, athletic. I could do shit. Like I could stand on the outside of the ring, um, on the apron and jump to the top rope backwards, you know, like to come in like with a moonsault. I could, you know, those kind of things. I could do athletic things like that. I could do full splits. You know, I could do, you know, coming in the hard way. split right now? I can't now. No, now I'll rip my crotch right open. (laughs) And my my testicles will be on Brian Fury's floor. So (laughs) Not the uh, pants you'd rip open, just your crotch itself. My crotch itself, yeah. My (laughs) actual crotch, yes. Yes. So, you know, so I I have the opportunity to work for Otto, contacting him. This has cost me a fortune, by the way, in phone bills. My wife is hot. (laughs) Betty is hot. Because I'm on the phone 37 times a day with all these different places. Kids don't understand that either. Phone, they don't phone. understand that. Yeah, right? You just shoot a text now, right? You don't even talk to anybody. But I'm on the you phone. Do it over with, Twitter. It's free. Yeah. Completely free. I'm on the phone with Germany. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, a lot of money. It's a shit ton of money. And trying to find the right time. Like, we didn't have Google. I'm like, what time is it in Germany right now? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Like, nobody knows that answer. You couldn't read, so. Right. So Otto's like, oh, I'm closing down. So Otto closes down. Then he's like, called Tito Santana. He's booking the AWF. Do you remember <laughs> the AWF? Yes, I do. Right? It was shot like a TV show, right? Yeah. Like, it was so bizarre. This is my conversation with Tito. I told this at the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. So I called Tito, and I'm like, hey, man, I, I don't know who it is. Oh, Hall of Famer. I didn't, I, sh- I didn't probably introduce you. <laughs> yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we even introduced him at all. Yeah. Oh, no, not really. So, <laughs> so I get this number, and I'm like, hey, man, I, I'm calling. I really want to get booked for the show. Tony Atlas gave me a number. He speaks highly of me. He says he'll vouch for me, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking. And the guy's just on the phone. He's like, yeah, okay. How long have you been working? He's asking me all these questions. I'm like, you know, I answer all the questions. There's a pause. And then he goes, this is Tito Santana. And I go, <laughs> great. Can I get booked? That, that was my response. I got, like, like I was supposed to pop because it was, I was talking to Tito. All right, Chico. Right? I'm like, I go, literally, my response was a silent pause again. And I go, great. Can I get booked? Like, what? what's the next step? Ariba. Yeah, right? Like, And then... That shut down. You know, that was like one set of tapings or something. Because they didn't put him over, right? So I had all these opportunities. Then I heard, this is when ECW was running a lot of New England shows as well. Mm -hmm. I heard that Jeff got called and they wanted me to bring me in there. Now, would I have fit with ECW? I don't know. Like, at the time, again, I'm a young, impressionable kid. Oh, you want me to go freaking coast to coast with the blade? No problem. I'll do it. You don't cut my face off? No problem, right? (laughs) Whatever. I don't care. So I heard that that I got called there and Jeff turned it down. Jeff was my agent or whatever, apparently. They called him looking for me, and he said, no, 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 he can't do that. He can't do that. That's that's a rumor. If it actually happened, I don't know because I didn't get the phone call. Again, we didn't have cell phones back then. Mike, you got to get Jeff on. We got to so, iron this out. I you think know, we, we do. You, so uh, I, that's, you, his number's fine. 
<laughs> that was his number 25 years ago. I don't know if it's still his number, but... It was on the side of his van he drove around? Yes. 603. 603, yeah. 603. I don't... That's we'll one of those numbers the, I just remember, right? Tell him you're yeah. ECW and you want Sonny Goodspeed. See yeah. what his answer is. So, I, like, again, I don't know if that's... Wait, you haven't, you haven't talked to him? I haven't talked to Jeff in, honestly, a long time. I remember things got so weird between us. I was heading to the mall when my youngest... Maybe, yeah, my youngest was... She's going to be 21. She was probably four. You know, we were walking to the Fizzling Mall and he was walking out. We walked by each other, didn't even say hi. Wow. Got, you know what I mean? Like, so it hasn't been resolved all these years? No, I don't think there's anything really to resolve. Like, if like if I saw him today, I'd be cordial with him. I just, I will never have that relationship with him again because I think too much time has passed and uh, our ideals have changed. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm sitting in his living room and he's telling me, oh, this is the way wrestling is, this is the way wrestling is, you know? And then he goes, and what I perceive to be just complete opposite of what he was training us. And I'm like, that's not what I loved about wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not what I fell in love with. And it's too carny for me. Like, it just it became really weird. Like, when, when Wolfman won the Powerball and we were doing these rock and wrestling shows, I was there, but I wasn't nearly as involved as I had previously been. I would show up for the shows, I'd wrestle, and then I'd leave, you know? Uh, the last shows I did for him, he did a pair of shows at the stadium where where now is the Fisher Cat Stadium is, I believe they used to do fireworks there. Okay. In Man- Manchester. Me, Manchester. Yeah. And I did this battle royal and he had this kid that he wanted to he wanted to use as AJ Cruz or I don't even remember. Probably these was the last set of shows. But so if you can make the if you can make the kid look good, I was like, We're in a battle royal, but yeah. So I let the kid dump me over and then the kid was just so dis fucking just so disrespectful. Didn't talk to me afterwards, didn't say thank you or anything like that. And I know that's kind of old school, right? Yeah. But like I'm, at that point, I'm a 300-pound kid. You're 172 pounds. I made you look like a freaking world beater. You know, I, yeah. I let you dump me over the top rope and everything. Just, just say thank you to me. Just say hi to me. Just say, hey, I mean, man, I appreciate it. Whatever. Any match. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Right? He walked in and came across like a superstar, didn't ignore me, and I just went. I was booked for the second show, and I just... That was it for me. I left that night and I never looked back. I never went you back and worked for him. show for a show. You're, you're dead to me. That's pretty much it, right? Yeah. So I just said, you know, I just said I'm I'm all done with Jeff, and and then I just kind of went and worked around everywhere. You know, I just. But Jeff was great in other ways, though. Like so, at the time I was working for Saturn, they would send us to Spring Hill, Tennessee, for training. Spring Hill is about two hours from Nashville, four hours from Nashville, something like that, whatever. So they would fly us in, and we'd stay in Nashville, and they'd bus us to to Spring Hill. I go, I really want to work Memphis TV. So what do I do? I fucking, I look up Channel 5 Memphis TV, right? Yeah. I know they're going to be there on Saturday mornings. I don't know, from like a month and a half, I'm calling every Saturday morning, seeing who I can get a hold of. Finally, I get on the horn with Jerry Lawler. I go, Jerry, I'm going to be in Tennessee in three weeks. I want to work on your TV. Uh, it's kind of hard to book you sight unseen. He goes, uh, we're going to be in New Haven on Monday night. Can you come down and introduce yourself? I said, absolutely. I go, Jeff. Can you drive me down to New Haven? He goes, yeah. So we drove down to New Haven. I introduced myself to Jerry Lawler after a struggle of finding him because Jamie Dundee was a prick and that's a whole other story. Stunning. But I, yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I introduced myself to Jerry Lawler and he goes, all right, you're going to be there? I said, yeah, I'll be there. I said, I'll help set up the ring, whatever you need. He goes, all right, you want to stick around and watch the show? You have your gear with you? I can get you a spot. I go, nope, driving back to New Hampshire. So we drove down to New Haven, <laughs> introduced myself to Jerry Lawler. Didn't bring your gear? I, of course I brought my gear, but oh. I don't, I'm not going to do a job on whatever. It was it was what it was. <laughs> I was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. So we fucking turned around. This is after seeing, remember the Mountie, the fake Mountie, Ray Roy? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Very well. So he's walking around, 
in his Zubas, his black Magnum boots, right? Yeah. Untied Zubas tucked in, fanny pack, and his fake Ribera jacket. Because it wasn't a Rivera jacket. It was a fake fucking, it was a roller kingdom from Tingsboro jacket. Right? <laughs> he, fucking, he's, he comes walking in with his rolly bag. Hey, brother. Gives me that fucking stupid two-finger handshake deal. Right? Like super, super light. And I'm like, oh, what a fucking jabron. Like, hey, brother, you working tonight? And I'm like, nah, man, I'm going home as soon as I do what I need to do. And Bert Centineo. Oh, I love Bert. But same kind of thing, man. Like, I swear they shopped at the same fucking place. Because <laughs> like, but that was the time you you were around. Fanny then, packs, right? yeah. The fanny packs, the Zubas. I rocked the fanny pack. Everybody rocked it's the fanny, back fanny now, pack. Ironically, right, right. Zubas ironically, fanny packs, yeah. We wore them. You would thought be- you were cool shit. because it was fucking because we had to. But the like, Zubas didn't really have pockets, right? So you needed some place to put your shit to put yeah. your yeah. your everything like to put everything. Yeah. Ah, so so crazy. We'd see all those New England guys down there and doing that kind of stupid shit, and I'm just like. I don't want to be that fucking guy. I don't want to walk in here looking like 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 fucking. Hey man, I'm gonna get my ass kicked on Saturday morning TV. But then Saturday night, man, I'm your fucking world champion at the Hudson Lions Hall. I just didn't want to be that guy. I've I've been to plenty of TV shows at the Lowell Moratorium. They used to do all this, you know, 17 hour tapings there. Mm-hmm. I was at all those sitting in the back, and for whatever reason, I was just fucking. I was smart enough to get away when they were looking for a guy to do a job. <laughs> yeah, no one ever came up to you and said, "Hey, you want to?" No, like because no. I was smart, I would just hide. Like I would just stay away, yeah. and I would just hang back there. But I just couldn't in my head. Like, it, call me a mark, whatever. But I just didn't. I didn't want to be that guy that got my ass kicked. But so why were you back there if you weren't? Because looking- I got invited. You know, like, and I was like, well, I want to show my face, but I don't want to be. Yeah. I, I love Tony Roy. I think he's. I think he's great. I don't want to be Tony Roy. I don't want to, hey, I need somebody to go fucking make somebody look good, but that's as far as he's going to go, you know? Yeah. Like, you I don't want to be that guy. Now, with the the network and everything being out and there being documentation of everything, do you think you would go back and now, like, yeah. tell yourself, do, I, do I regret. Jobs? I regret not doing yeah. it. It wasn't long after, like, when... You know this business, and you know as well, like, when you're first in it, you fucking love it. You'll... you'll die for this business Mm -hmm. and then you get jaded and everything sucks and then it's the four year slump man and then you start going man I fucking this shit is just so fun like take it for what it is it's fucking fun and when I got to that point I was like why didn't I do those jobs even for the payday for one because that would have been the most money at any point I ever made in wrestling yeah it was good back then catering you know I just (laughs) you need the catering I didn't even need the fucking catering holy Toledo I I literally because I go if I'm in catering everybody's in fucking catering not gonna do it because then they'll be like, "Hey, let's fucking knock off the big guy, right?" I didn't, I didn't want to. <laughs> so I they literally just wouldn't stayed, have used you because because you I was big, a yeah, guy. yeah. So I just, um, yeah, I'd I just, love to see a video I did. of you taking like a Steiner screwdriver, <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah, like like fucking, All you know. Now. So I, so I did do the Memphis spot. I remember I worked with uh, Derek something. He was my partner, and I worked with uh, PG thirteen. So. Jamie Dundee. Ah. So this all comes full circle. Right. <laughs> so Jamie Dundee was the biggest prick to me at New Haven that day. And now JC Ice. Yeah, fuck piece of shit. <laughs> piece of fucking shit. Who's a bigger piece of shit? I will we'll tell you a story. Him or Eric Watts? Uh, JC. Oh, really? Yeah, JC wow. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Eric Watts. There's a story behind okay. that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> JC just like the biggest piece of shit. Kept fucking kayfabe me, trying like treating me like a fucking mark at the New Haven show. Like, oh, I haven't seen Jerry all day, brother. I haven't seen Jerry all day. I'm like, well, I fucking know he's here because he told me he's going to be here. Whatever. He does the fucking commentary. He's here. 
So we get to Memphis. Bill Dundee says, all right, uh, you and you're working with Derek. Derek King. Okay, get, Derek yeah, King. Yeah, Derek yeah. King. He's your partner, and you're going to work uh, the, the, the boys there. I said, all right, perfect. So they come over. JC Ice, whatever. He's fucking five foot nothing, 137 pounds. And he's telling me, all right, brother, every time you're in the ring, you just sail, sail, sail. You just sail, sail, sail. <laughs> and I'm I'm like, uh, all right, man. I'm like, whatever. I'm down for one spot. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Wolfie D was super cool. He was like, hey, man, just we'll work, do whatever. I was like, all right, whatever. So Dundee comes over later. Uh, Bill, he goes, did they go over the match? I go, yeah. He goes, well, what do they have you doing? I said, well, JC just wants me to sell, sell, sell. And I said, the other one wants to work with me. He goes, he goes, what? No, that makes no fucking sense. He goes, you're twice as big as JC. <laughs> he goes, just you stay on the outside. You take, you make the hot comeback or the hot tag and and then just go over the finish. I said, perfect. So at the time, they were using the uh, trash can lid or whatever, you know? The hubcap? Yeah, the hubcap. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, the hubcap, right? They're beating the shit out of Derek King. Like I'm watching. I feel like I'm watching a fucking street a street fight. Like if this was if World Star was a thing back then, this would have been <laughs> on World Star. Two white guys kicking the shit out of Derek King, right? <laughs> and uh, finally, he makes it a hot tag. I knocked the shit out of Jamie Dundee. <laughs> I, I like I was fighting for my fucking life. I was like, fuck this kid. I was like, what do I care? You know what I mean? I'm one shot. I'm, I'm one <laughs> shot. I'm fucking done. I clubbed the fuck out of this kid. I gave a double axe handle to his back. I swear I collapsed his lungs through his front of his chest. I fucking knocked the shit out of this kid. He bumped and just rolled out and left. And then I just started. Then I just started working with with uh, Wolfie. So they hit me with the they hit me with the hubcap. I bump on the outside. Then the finish is going to be Tracy Smothers comes and gives me a chair shot. Again, I'm a big guy, so they have to figure out a way to get me out. Right? Yeah. yeah. Tracy hit me with the stiffest chair shot I've ever been hit with in my fucking life. I thought I died. I thought I got hit with the fucking Where, where did he hit you? Uh, back, right across the back. The fucking tightest chair back shot. The back is of, worse than the head. I, I mean, I, I'm not beginning to. Your, your brain. Right. But the back hurts. Because it's such a big area yeah. and it, it just resonates throughout your whole thing, right? He knocks the shit out of me with this chair shot. And then I, I bump and he's, he's grabbing me. He's like, You're all right, kid. You're all right. And I'm like, ah, I'm fucking fine, man. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not selling it at all. So uh, then the baby faces all run out, like Spellbinder and and Brian Christopher and everything. They carry me to the back. We get to the back. Tracy's like, hey, man, that chair shot was kind of stiff. You all right? I'm like, yeah, man, I was fine. I was fine. On the inside, I'm crying like a little bitch because <laughs> it was so fucking, it was so fucking tight. But uh, it was, uh, that was a blast, man, being in the, just, just in that one locker room for that fucking one day. Chi-Chi Cruz, remember him from out of Canada? He yeah. Was a, he was another guy. I was sitting and talking with him all day long, Bobby Blaze. Um, just a bunch of guys who were just were fucking so phenomenal, so phenomenal. Was Lance Russell doing that show, or is it just Dave no, Brown and Dave Brown and Corey Macklin and there? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Bill comes over and pays me. He goes, "Hey man, we're heading to whatever tonight, and we're going to there tomorrow, and then Monday we're there." And I go, "I." It was everything in my body to not say, "All right, man, let's go." I'll just fucking I'll help tear down the ring and fucking really? just I was gonna fucking live the life of a carny in yeah. fucking Memphis. But then I go, hey, "Fucking Betty's at home with the kids." She probably won't appreciate that phone call. <laughs> I don't know how much that collect call is going to be because, again, no cell phones. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, can't do it. The days can't of long it. distance, too. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah. In the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so the whole point of the thing is that there's like that generational gap from the guys that are doing it now, even from when, you know, Brian was in and Scott to from when I came from, I literally came in probably five years too late and maybe 10 years too early. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just, there is crazy. It's waves. It's, yeah. it's big waves because when yeah. I started in 2004, it was 
just coming down off that you know that big bump of the attitude era and then there was a real lull and i didn't even wrestle for a few years and then it's skyrocketing now especially yeah. on the indies yeah and you know when i was wrestling too you couldn't wrestle for like it's not like there was two promotions in new england pretty much there was costa and then there was eugenio and silvana you know yeah Sousa. and then kowalski would do the sold shows right i did a couple of those shows too like oh, really? i got to i got to team with uh Gorgeous Chris Duffy and work Brian oh. Walsh and Mad Dog Richard. Wow, a lot of hidden gems in that. Uh, yeah, right. Like wow. this is see, this is what I'm saying. Like these are things that I don't just talk about. So the, like to be able to talk about them. Like so, if you haven't worked with Brian Walsh, you've seen him. Have yeah. you? Have you got oh, the yeah. referees matches? No. That kid, honest to God, was the best guy I've ever fucking been in the ring with. Like so crazy smooth. You throw him a punch, and that kid makes it look like a, like you fucking shot him out of a cannon. Yeah. Like, just sells for you just crazy. Like, where sometimes, you know, you'd have to fucking really work with somebody to get them to sell for you. Like, you have to fucking stiff them. You know, like, sell you fucking prick. This kid would die for you, you know? And uh, I remember the first night I'm in, we're doing the tag, blah, blah, blah. The finishes, Brian's going to hit me with the top rope splash. And I remember just watching him, like, and I'm in awe. I'm like... That kid was so fucking good. I've been thinking this all to myself as I'm watching him come out the top rope and he lands on me. And normally on a splash, you lift yourself up a little bit. So you yeah. meet the contact and then you hit the mat, you know, kind of together. So yeah, you like absorb bag. it. Right. Yeah. I'm just laying flat shouldered, flat back down the fucking <laughs> on the ring. And he lands, you know, he's maybe 190 pounds, but 190 pounds coming off of, you know, 10 feet in the air. It's 190 pounds landing across you. And I just remember thinking to myself this whole time, I'm like, man. That kid is so fucking good. Why is he not booked? And then it just came crashing on me. <laughs> but I was like, oh, that was fucking awesome, though. So I got to do that a couple times. Mad Dog Richard, not as good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, didn't smell nearly as good. As <laughs> nice guy, though. Very nice guy. Oh, crazy nice guy. But I sold so much from Chris Duffy, too. You he know is... the spot he used to do where he'd walk backwards, fixing the sides? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And then he would just bump backwards. <laughs> I stole that, and I did that for years and years and years. Like, we'd be running towns next to each other and I'd be doing his shit because I thought that was so tremendous. Chris was such an underrated guy. He was so fucking good. And we mentioned it earlier, but uh, you are actually a hidden gem. We talk about Brian Walsh is a hidden gem. Gorgeous Chris Duffy is a hidden gem. Brian Fury said you are his hidden gem and Brian Fury is rejoining us here. I appreciate that. That, that meant a lot to me. I really did. Because like, again, I don't know that like anybody now that knows wrestling or is in wrestling even knows who I am. I feel kind of weird like when I go to the shows and I see the I see the kids, you know, that you're training, and I'm like, these guys just think I'm an old fucking guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, just you hanging are. around. You I are. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, very true. A fun story. Probably two or three. I want to say two years before I started training, myself, Al Spader, and a couple of other people went to a Lobster Man show, and for whatever reason, we got there at like two in the afternoon or something like that really really early at hudson elks this was the same day that tyson fought mcneely his first fight back right yeah uh, i remember it like it was yesterday and we got there really early and we talked to jeff and stuff about training and whatever and before the show he had sunny body slam us in the ring Sonny has no recollection. I've I've told this to him before, and he literally has no recollection (laughs) of this at all. And so, with us just being people, he like picked us up and like fucking Sonny gave it to us because we were just like, (laughs) especially back then, we were like little guys. Like probably two two plus years or so before I started training, Sonny was the first person to ever do anything to me inside of professional wrestling, and 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 he bumped me inside of gave me a body slam inside of a professional wrestling, and it was one of those cool 
things for me. I thought I was like the coolest thing in the world. Like, told all my friends from backyard wrestling, and I was like, oh, I wrestled in a, in a ring, got body slammed, and blah, blah, blah. And it was a great ring, too, right? That 16 foot wooden oh, ring. Oh, that little one? Holy shit. So, yeah. I think Jeff had his broken foot at that point in time. Oh, he, yo, right. From the Eliminators. From the Eliminators. Yeah, yeah the we eliminators worked the Eliminators. Who, who worked the Eliminators? Jeff and I. We were the Suicide Blondes. Really? We, yeah, we had, I don't know, probably half a dozen so or a dozen matches that with the night, Eliminators. We, we went to the show that night. You wrestled Gary Gold in a two out of three falls oh. match. <laughs> Holy shit. How'd you sit Speaking through Speaking of Hall of Famers. Yeah, so how did I was, sit through that? <laughs> yeah, it was, and like, oh I remember God. a couple other things in the show. Like, I think Gary the Torch Cadalus was on it. Mama was he? Wait, was the, he? The, was the, he El Santo or? No, or actually, I, I don't. No. I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. The, the manager, yeah. Mama, was yeah. there. Cody Boynes. You yeah, remember so Cody it was Boynes? Like, I know. I know the name. Yeah. yeah he yeah, he so managed for Jeff as Mama. He dressed as a woman. <laughs> so Milton Berle stuff, yeah. like old old school stuff. But I mean, you, you were one of my hidden gems because I, I feel like you were. You had a lot of. Things that a lot of wrestlers in New England didn't have. You had like over the top charisma. You were super um, relatable to a lot of people, and you were and you used to try to get that out of me a lot in my early days when you were helping book for NECW and stuff. You like, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like I, I'm, I'm just a wrestler, and yeah. I, that's all I would do. And you would try to get it out of me, and it wasn't until I don't know when I had like six months off in my career that I understood. Uh, right. <laughs> work, work <the> crowd. <laughs> it does, you know, it, it takes a lot. Like I'm not going to show you how to do. Cool, flippy shit. But, like, the one thing I, I try to tell you, like, you got to make a connection. Even if it's just one person, like, as a baby face getting my ass kicked, I remember I found a kid in the crowd, and that was my connection. I made him cry because I was getting my ass kicked, right? <laughs> then as a heel, when I was shit-kicking the baby face, I made a kid cry because I was shit-kicking his hero, right? right? And I would, just, I would just pick out that one kid. I'm going to get a reaction out of this motherfucker because that's what I want to do. And then if that kid responds... Everybody around is going to respond. So as a, as a baby face getting my ass kicked, reaching for that kid, like, man, help me, help me. And he knows he can't do anything, so he fucking breaks down and cries. I'm like, what a fucking mark. I love that, right? <laughs> and then as a heel, the same thing. Like, you can't do anything about it. I'm shit kicking this dude. You can't do a fucking thing about it. So he breaks down and cries that way. Two of my favorite things I've ever done in wrestling. And, and, and that's kind of lost sometimes, and maybe not to get into a whole new conversation like this, but people don't try to make that connection that they're wrestling for each other rather than for for everyone else and the fans do you know come up and pop and but it's not that long sustained reaction it's always the the shock reaction the oh we all have heard it a million times yeah. the holy shits but that connection that you made a bunch and when i around 2010 we took that that long car ride that we tell this story about yeah. every every single time. I don't think we can possibly tell it on the uh no? podcast without it being its own podcast is a we drove out to Chicago. Actually, we drove out to Wisconsin, wrestled, drove to Chicago, wrestled. Sonny was just along for the ride. Yeah. And him and Dave Barrett. He made Dave Barrett drive. Uh, <laughs> but uh, And just like kind of hanging out with Sonny. And I had wrestled him like in 2006, as, as we talked about earlier. But we didn't really have a connection. We didn't talk. But listening to Sonny and just kind of picking his brain and, and having fun on that ride. We've been that was a fucking blast. <laughs> yeah. It was a blast. It was so, you know, when you're stuck in a van with... Five guys yeah. for twenty four fucking hours or whatever. It was uh, eighteen hours to Wisconsin and then sixteen hours back from Chicago. And then obviously there's two shows in there and the commute from Wisconsin back yeah. to Chicago. Yeah. Healing a hotel room, like you know, five of us or whatever in a room, yeah. like like who's gonna crash where? Like I was sleeping on the floor. I remember just Scott and I freaking uh, jumped into a uh, dildo store because okay. it was across the street from the hotel we were staying. And we had some time to kill, so we went over to this 
giant sex shop. We tried to get the the workers there to come to the show to see us. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, it, it was great. It was, we could uh, probably do another episode uh, just on that we'll, podcast. We'll yeah, graciously have so us on because we, we get Joe Eastman in on this too. Oh yeah, that was one of the the best weekends of my life, and it so was memorable. So fun. And that's it's more of a learning experience. And I suggest to any students uh, of ours or any students or people who just want to be in wrestling is you know go on these long. They seem terrible because it's you know eighteen hours to Wisconsin, which is not a destination, especially yeah. West Alice, A L L I S. Yeah, and um, there's no way you're not losing money. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I spent $400 making $0. So, yeah. uh, but just like go on these and, and get someone in there who you can learn from and just talk to and, and learn how to be a wrestler outside the ring in the most positive way. Yeah. That, that's it's it's really about. like there's there's so much there's so much to it and wrestling's still the same as it was when I started when Jeff started, you know, 15 years before I did. It's still the same. The idea is still the same. You want to work for a reaction to the crowd. Just how you get there is just different now. So for a long time, I thought the way I did it was the only way to, you're supposed to do it. You know, like you're supposed to tell a story. You're supposed to have, you know, uh, baby face shine, heat, baby face hot comeback finish. Right? There's so many ways to get to that. There's so many ways to tell the same story. But it took me a long time to figure that out, and that's part of that 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 cycle we were talking about where you're so in love with pro wrestling, and then you think everything sucks and everything's a work football games and the elections and everything else everything's <laughs> at work and then you come back around Step to it where it's just it, yeah. where it's just fucking fun like again. you become a fan again and it's fun like there was a time when i stopped being a fan and then when you come out of that though it's almost like a, a weight lifted off your shoulder and you're just like man this is so much fun and these kids have such an opportunity to do those types of things that i didn't have like there's 37 places in freaking new england that you can work that are all you can work every single week you can work every single weekend not all of them are great but they're a lot greater than when I was around, you Bring know? an opponent. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Mike that's Crockett's, it, man. he's in the, the time where he hates wrestling now. So eventually <laughs> he'll come around. Here, so yeah, he'll, he'll come around. He'll enjoy it again. Yeah. Which I, I suggest he does because there's some great wrestling out there. It's better, better than I think ever. Um, can I say fuck you, Mike Mills? Of course. Because he doesn't like uh, wrestling these days. But He doesn't? <laughs> I don't know who Mike Mills is, but fuck Mike Mills. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who Mike Mills is. Some guy who had a few matches maybe like 50 years ago. And- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, so so Jeff took the whatever the Eliminators called that gimmick move that they did. the Total Elimination. Move. Yeah, and uh, he got his toe caught in the canvas and... Broke his ankle. Yeah, total elimination of the ankle. Yeah, <laughs> it was the most. It was one of the most gruesome things I ever seen. And, and yeah, they came back. This is after Memphis was before ECW. Yep. Okay, yep, exactly right. So they were up here working, and uh, I remember working with Perry, and uh, he's like, "All right, brother, bump me, and then let's work to another spot." And I go, "All right." So I bump him, and then I fucking held him down at a rear chin lock, and he kept trying to get up, and I kneeled on his hair, so I, we so he couldn't get up. I'm like, "Nope." He's like, "Let me up." I'm like, "Nope." And I just kept him there. I'm like, let's build some fucking heat. He just wants to move, move, move. Yeah. And I remember after the match, he goes, brother, you'd be great in Memphis. I go, great. You have any contacts? They won't accept me. <laughs> yeah, he, they got booted out of Memphis. So, yeah. so he goes, no, not for me. Not for me. But uh, that was that was a great learning experience, like working with those guys. Perry was so intense. And John was such a character. John was have you you met those guys? Yeah, amazingly John. light on his feet for a guy his Crazy. size. Like yeah. he he did that back handspring backflip moonsault onto me. The, the Sasuke specials. Yeah. And again, I'm watching it like a fucking mark. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's 300 pounds. Wow. And then he landed on me. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the only power bomb I've ever taken in my life, I let him give it to me because I was like, Fuck, yeah, how do I not? You know, yeah. I'm like, this guy's fucking awesome. I wouldn't let Rick Fuller, when Rick Fuller wanted to power bomb me, 
I go, well, if you can get me off. He goes, well, let's see. I go, all right. And I just Sand dead bag. weight him, a sandbag. <laughs> I go, how about I just take that big boot? Yeah, fine. <laughs> he got all hot. I go, I ain't taking a power bump from 17-foot-tall Rick Fuller. <laughs> Fuck that. That's a long way down. And that's before I actually got to be friendly with Rick. We just He was working as a lumberjack for yeah. Eugenio back then or something. But yeah, it was crazy. Brian Fury was talking about you were booking for NECW. That was after the split with Lobster Man. You went with uh, Sheldon Goldberg. How did you come to be a booker? So I just started um, hanging around the shows, going to the shows, and I was working because Bob was tight with Sheldon at the time, and I believe Scott Dickinson was booking, I believe then. Sounds right. Yeah, and I was tight with Scott Dickinson. I love Scott. And, uh, and WCW Scott was, referee. Correct. Legendary referee, Scott Dickinson, living his life now as a retired postman out in the West Coast. So he was phasing out, and I had been around the shows, and I talked to Sheldon. He goes, I'd love to have you come in and work. And I was like, perfect. So I remember the night I took over, we were at a, I don't even remember where we were, but um, I remember Chris Nowinski was on the show, and mm-hmm. a couple other guys were on the show, and I took over, and I was putting together matches then, and uh, <laughs> I remember um, Wagner was on the show with April Hunter and Jason Knight and a couple of his students. His stu- a couple of his students were real shitbags that <laughs> they worked that one night, and then I immediately fired him. Uh, Zachary Springgate, remember him? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, fired him too. <laughs> um, tried to fire Wagner because the first night I gave him his payday, and he goes, "Hey man, you must have given me somebody else's envelope." I go, "Nope." He goes, "No, I usually get paid this." I go, "Not anymore." I said, "You can leave." <laughs> I go, "You can. That's what your pay is." I said, "You can leave if you want." No, no, man. But we need to talk. I go, "No, this is a fucking pay. It is what it is." You know. So you handling the paydays too with like oh, yeah. day one. Yeah, he gave me he gave me the stack of cash. He said, "This is what the guys usually get paid." The only guys I ever paid more were my champs. Like if I had Alex's champ or Mavis champ or whatever, because I put a responsibility on them. I wanted them to have the best match on the show, and I thought they could deserve more for yeah. that. So I paid them more, and then whatever was left over, I'd pay myself. So a lot of times I'd leave with no money. And working for Sheldon was a full time fucking job, man. Yeah, that guy would call me on my cell phone, and we would talk four hours a night. Seven days a week, coming up to the shows like, and Sheldon's a great guy, but he really, he, I I just don't know if he knows how wrestling works. He said he would promote, but all he would do was put up posters, or from what I could see anyway, maybe he did more, and I don't know, but all I could see was he put posters at the building we were wrestling at, and I'm like, well, that's not going to draw people in. Like you need to go around, get on radio shows. He had all sorts of connections. Yeah, get on radio shows. Get on the. He had a radio show. Yes, like just. Do some stuff like get get people in this building. So if you happen to go to Good Times in Somerville, and you saw a poster, you go, "Hey, maybe, maybe I'll check that out Saturday night." But if you didn't, you would never know about it because yeah. that's where the promotion was. They were just promoting there, and it was. So yeah, I did that for a while, and then Steve came back from uh, WWE Bradley, and uh, he asked me to help him out at the school and with the shows. And I immediately saw I was like, I can get away from these seventeen hour phone calls <laughs> and just deal with Bradley who really doesn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I was like, that seems like a better choice. So I left Booker for Sheldon and probably not on the best terms and I could have done it better. I just, you know, but again, young and immature and just whatever. Like those are some of the regrets you have, but it was tiresome working for Sheldon because there was a lot of talk and my good friend Hiro Matsuda and my good friend Virgil, you know, you know him as Dusty and, you know, just, <laughs> you know, a lot of those types of call- phone calls and just, Ring Warriors and Howard Brody. Ring Warriors was literally a thing. Is that a thing now? Is it's a thing WGN? now. Yeah. What's Ring Warriors? It's okay. it's right on now. WGN, I think, yeah. right now. It's a show. Yeah. That literally has been trying to put together for. It's going to be close. Fifteen to years. Or something. Yeah. At yeah. least. At least. Like I literally heard about this show 
15 years ago, Booker for Sheldon. Oh, my good friend Howard Brody out of Florida is going to put this new show together, and we're going to work together, and we're going to get guys to tour to Japan. And Wasn't there an online show with, like, Gordon Soley yes. doing commentary? Yeah, yeah, for a while. It was short-lived again, but it was just, it was like, but it was just everything, everything was going to happen right around the corner, everything, you know, and it, I just, I didn't have the patience for it. I didn't have the patience for it. A lot of times I would just put my cell phone down and then just sit and watch TV, and then i pick it up every now and again. Uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then put it back down and just let him talk, because he could talk. For hours and hours and hours about himself and and about his good friend Hiro Matsuda. Yeah. <laughs> so what'd you do in the WFA for? Um, I didn't Steve do Bradley? a whole lot. I helped. Um, I helped just with a lot of the younger guys put together their matches and and then uh, Steve asked me if I wanted to work again. So he instead of calling me what I what I'd been working as, he called me K Bosch, and I started a little program with D, the Monster oh, D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was Kevin Landry under a hood? Yeah, he was over. I don't, I don't know what the D stood for. Probably not Diana Ball. Yeah, Ball. yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably not that. It was Monster D for Dick, I think, or something. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So my gimmick was is I would um I'd come out and I'd I'd uh, ring post all the girls like a big schmoz, uh, <laughs> all the okay. women. I remember one of the girls was I think Tim oh, McNeeny's two thousand four. Tim McNeeny's girlfriend, a redheaded chick who did the schoolgirl thing. Was uh, Vanity was Vixen? Kate, Kate, no, Kate oh, or something. I don't know who that is. I remember I put her on the outside, and I when I told her, I said, "You got to make she sure." Was a, I think she was a, a student at the school in around two thousand three. Oh uh, well, I this think. is the last we ever saw of her. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. I said, "You have to keep your head to either side, like preferably over your right shoulder." You know what I mean? Yeah. So your head doesn't hit the ring post. Okay, okay. And then we talked and talked and talked, and I said, "Please make sure, please make sure." When it came time, her head was straight on the post. I railed her, and <laughs> never to be seen again. <laughs> Good riddance. Thank Good God. She, thank riddance. God she had red hair. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I nailed the shit out of her because I don't know. Just because of what you did. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. So then I, I so I helped Steve a little bit, and then as Steve started becoming more and more um, erratic in his behavior, and and yeah. and uh, couldn't contact him, he'd disappear. Every, he when he first started, were you working for him when he first first started? No, I started in two thousand four. All right, so everything was you're going to get paid for checks. We're going to run two shows a weekend, and Mondays I'm going to cut the checks, send them to you in the mail. So everybody had to fill out all these forms and everything. And checks were there for the first couple of shows, and then they stopped coming. And then you know just paying cash downstairs, and yep. it became really really weird and really really erratic. And it was just not something I wanted to be around at that time. I was like. The lack of structure here. And yeah, the I never saw the stuff. checks. It was yeah. always cash. You know, it was and, just oh, it was just a thing. I just we could get I had into to the get longest out. pay sessions of all time because you would just stand there and he would call you up and then talk to the people for twenty minutes. Yeah, we would be there until four o'clock in the morning and we still had to drive back to the school and put up the ring before we could go home as students. Yeah, <laughs> I get home in the sun. Came I remember walking in conversations with him and what's that? Capito Capa. Tapakega or something, Danny Jacks. Oh, yeah, Kappa yeah, Tapakega. Yeah, yeah. yeah, walking in a couple of conversations with that kid. I don't know what kind of dealings were going on there. <laughs> D was there. <laughs> sure. D was there. Yes, <laughs> yes. So what's what is the Eric Watts story? I, I've been sitting on this for about <laughs> twenty minutes now, waiting. It's funny. So Eric Watts, um, the Eric Watts, the Eric Watts, absolutely, just fresh off of WCW television, beating everybody mm-hmm. with that STF or whatever, yes. right? Yeah, literally, Arn Anderson, Bobby, everybody. Where John Cena got the hold, yeah. Everybody from, right? Well, apparently his family lives right in Salem, New Hampshire. Oh. His brother, Micah. That's where I live. Who I met, and his his mother, I guess, had lived out here. So he was out here visiting. So Callahan and Big City 
were running uh, Salisbury Beach at a place called Champs Arena, which was an amazing setup. It, they just it just didn't end up working long term. But so they bring him in. They go, "Son, we want you to work with Eric." I'm like, "No problem." Well, the, Eric's only going to be there for four shows, five shows, or something, and uh, they want me to do the job for him every time. And I go, "Guys, I go, that's that's great. I don't mind doing a job, whatever." But does it make sense for long term? Why don't we let him beat me a couple times? Work a program. If we're going to work six shows or five shows together, do something to build to it. I beat him at the end, and he disappears because he's doing whatever he's doing, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So I think they were a little heated at me that I didn't want to do a job for Eric Watts. Well, he's just off of TV beating everybody. I'm like, again, off of TV, I said. That was my thing, right? He's off of TV, and he's not going to be here. Like, he's not going to be here the weekend after next. You know what I mean? Like, he's gone. I'm going to be here. So we do this awesome program. It's Eric was super, super easy to work with, like a giant kid, a giant Mm -hmm. kid. Like, he was crossing an 18-foot ring three steps. Bang, boom. But like three steps, he was across the ring running the ropes, right? And we had great matches together. Well, the final deal is he's going to put me in the STF, and uh, Big City and, or John Callahan were going to run in and schmoz him and get a DQ, whatever. Yeah. He goes over by DQ, and I was like, fine with that. So Scott Dickinson, I think, is the referee. He puts me in the STF, and I'm waiting and waiting. And waiting, I hear Kevin Hughes in the back in the in the audience. It's a fucking screw job. <laughs> <laughs> he, he yells that. I hear that over everything. Scott goes, uh, "Sonny, man, they're not coming. You got to tap." I go, "Fuck you! I ain't tapping." <laughs> so I stop selling. I'm just sitting in this fucking SDF. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, he's literally just came off a of TV beating everybody. I'm just sitting in it. This is with your fist in your chin. Just I, did, I actually did that at one point, <laughs> looking at the audience with my fist on my chin, not selling. He goes, Sonny, you, you got to fucking tap. You got to tap. You got to quit. Eric's like, sorry, brother. They're not coming. They're not coming. Sorry, brother. I'm like, fuck you. I said, I go, fuck you. I just start yelling. Now I'm fucking heated because I, I know it's a screw job. So I start yelling from the STF, fuck you, Callahan. Fuck you, Big City. Fuck you, Dickinson. Fuck you, Watts. I'm looking at the audience. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I quit. That's what I said. So he lets me out. I no sell it. I roll out of the ring. I'm literally just, I'm dropping the fucking <laughs> F-bomb, giving him the finger. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, I fucking quit. I fucking quit this bullshit. I'm cutting this scathing promo. I'm way back to the locker room. I grab my bag. Big City and, and uh, Callahan are in the back. Sorry, brother. We missed our cue. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Jeff Costin and Kevin Hughes are in the crowd. Have you ever met Kevin Hughes? Yes. Kevin Hughes is the craziest individual I've ever met in my life. <laughs> and he was fucking hot. Cause he looked after me. He I was like I was like his boy. And he was fucking heated. And uh Kevin always carried a gun. Mm-hmm. Kevin always carried a blade. So we didn't know what he was gonna do. So I grabbed my bag, still in my gear, cussing up a storm. Next match is already going. I'm leaving, still yelling, fuck you to everybody that'll <laughs> listen to me. And uh, I I'm walking the boardwalk in Salisbury in my baby blue gear and fucking white boots <laughs> <laughs> fucking cutting up a fucking promo bleach blonde hair soaking wet just fucking just walking to my car and kevin behind me fucking those motherfuckers callahan and fucking big city i'll fuck i'll fucking kill him i'll fucking kill him he was fucking hot and then uh six months later we're back working for him working with the eliminators <laughs> hey, welcome, to wrestling. Yep, welcome to wrestling yeah so that was my eric watts story i was the only guy that never fucking do the job for the fucking SDF. <laughs> oh, you beat Arn Anderson with that? Great. Who the fuck's he? He's <laughs> <laughs> not slightly good speed. That's yeah, for sure. Bobby Eaton? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie. 
Now, I fucking seven minutes on the fucking STF without quitting. There's <laughs> 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 no selling it. Yeah. Oh, where do we go from there? See, I it's crazy. Told you it was a good story. There's so much more. And we, there, and, is, there really is. And so we like, more, we're like running low on time. I mean, we got to have you back. Here's the thing. We can always do part, part two. two. Yeah, we haven't Electric even. Boogaloo. We haven't even talked about Chunky But Funky. Oh, no, we haven't. That whole deal. Yeah. There's so much more. There really it's is. It's Orlin Goodspeed the third. Orlin Goodspeed the third. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, Intervention with. Dr. Heresy and Joey Eastman. That was a good time. Yeah. My brief stint in Chaotic. It was super uncomfortable. It was good. <laughs> we yeah. definitely have to get into that. Yeah, definitely. But we will have to bring you back. You were really weirdly, oddly uncomfortable before the match with me and Mikazi. Yeah. It was... I don't even know why. Still to this day, you were just like super nervous, super uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I, I, is it going to be okay? You were like really weird. And I was like, I felt like I was like, the vet that had to like calm you down for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, it was so bizarre. I've never felt uncomfortable in a locker room except for chaotic. It was so bizarre, right? You know what I mean? It's Not now, right? But it was super, super clicky then. And I would come in and feel completely out of place, you know? Chaotic had a reputation as being... Yeah. If you weren't a chaotic guy, you weren't a chaotic. You weren't chaotic. You know what I mean. So it was super uncomfortable coming in there as a guy who'd been around at that point forever, and right. you know could work anywhere and work with anybody. But to sit in that locker room, <laughs> fucking like peeing myself a little, you know. But we could talk about that more next time. Yeah, I guess part. I was just kind of oblivious to it. I, I yeah. just kind of changed in my little corner right, and didn't really you know. Were office. You were, oh, K- you were you were kayfabe office at the time. <laughs> I guess he was so. kayfabe office. At the he time. was like on the booking committee. Yeah. And I would hang out with Crockett three times a week. We go to the gym on Mondays. We go to the subway, watch Raw every Monday and stuff. So I would just be like, "Hey, so do you know like who I'm wrestling the next show?" And he would, but he'd be like, "Oh no, I have no idea." No, I idea. And I don't even know why he would just not <laughs> say, "Well, you're wrestling fucking Sunny." Yeah, just yeah. Because plans change. Plans change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, that match was the um, catalyst for. You to turn heel on Mikazi, yeah, right? It was, it was right there, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Probably because I fell off the top rope and then still hit uh, Dr. Heresy with a crossbody anyway. That's right. Fell <laughs> <laughs> off the top rope, landed yeah. on my yeah. feet. I said, oh, shit. Just and ran just and landed <laughs> <and gave laughs> with a crossbody. It was one of the best things I ever seen. I, just, I forgot that until just now. That was tremendous. I remember that. I was on Lawrence, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before I go back down and teach class, I just wanted to um, talk about how I realized that Crockett did the heat transfer earlier in in the in the show when I was came down here to berate him for missing my ceremony he just transferred it to me coming back to the ring I just wanted to bring it back around to Crockett's a piece of trash that skipped my ceremony and showed up late to my wedding and with that I'll leave this uh, to you guys that's, that's a good way to leave it it's <laughs> a good way to leave I it I was here for 15 minutes before he showed up this yeah. morning so it's <laughs> uh, not even true <laughs> not even true uh, well this- Sonny, yes. It's this has uh, been a great time. I, I super enjoyed this. We have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Malonos will be here. Yeah. I'll yeah, we'll bring Put you to. heat on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't even get to all the time Scott slept on my fucking couch and stuff, too. Oh, you took yeah. good care of me. You're my wrestling yeah. dad, man. It's good times. I, I appreciate that. You know, you have your wrestling uncles. You know, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. Uncle yeah. Bob. And then uh, with Sonny gets much better. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then dad. And then yeah. and then dad. Yeah, that's good times. I appreciate it. I thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much.
All right, well, we're loose in sunny Goodspeed here, and we also lost the co-host of the show, Max slash Scott, no longer in the building. But uh, thank you very much to Sunny Goodspeed, and uh, thank you very much to Scott for joining me here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing this week. We want your feedback, though. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with Sunny Goodspeed. Use the hashtag WPAN, and plus, call that voicemail line. That is the best way to share your thoughts with this podcast, 401. 401- 584-9726 that's 401-584-WPAN booking the territory of course we heard some not so kind words from Mike Mills a little earlier on but I still like Mike Mills and he and Hard Buddy Harper and Doc Turner they do two podcasts a week Sunday they talk about Smoky Mountain Thursday it's the old uh, Jim Crockett promotions show so make sure to check out booking the territory mikemills.podbean.com is the website for more on that great old school wrestling show speaking of old school wrestling how about the retro wrestling podcast called Our Vantage Point with Joe Morata and Michael Quinn they're talking about the northern flavor of uh, the old school wrestling so make sure to check out OVP Podcast com. They're doing great things over there, Joe and Quinn. So thank you very much for their support, and thank you for checking out our Vantage Point. Greetings from Allentown, the little brother of OBP with PW, Peter Winson. Make sure to check out every Thursday he does brand new episodes of his show where he's talking about one specific episode of wrestling television from any era. Usually it's the 80s and 90s, but he lands his own special flavor of things for uh you know, talking about his cat and all sorts of different things. Greetings from Allentown on the uh, Pro Wrestling Only feed or on his own feed. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart, Adam Sauls, or all the rest. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Make sure to check that out. Subscribe and enjoy. All right, it's time for this week's promo about nothing. Hey, I just got here just in time. I love promo about nothing. Uh, well, but before that... Brian Malonis is hitting the highways and byways. Oh, he is. Chris Cross is this great nation of ours. He is. Applying his trade as a professional wrestler. And? He's got dates. All right. And I wrote them down right here. You're not going to pull out your phone and fiddle through the uh, calendar last second? No, I'm not having deja vu for the strangest <laughs> reason. But let's talk about Saturday, November 24th. Two shows on November 24th. It's a doubleheader at the Wrestle Factory in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania for Malonis. Shakara or... Chikara. Chikara. Ch. 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 Chikara in the afternoon. And that night, Beyond Wrestling will be there at the Wrestle Factory for TFT, the tag effing tournament, I'm led to believe. Yeah, I think that's what they're calling it this year. Uh, it's Generally speaking, it's the tournament for tomorrow, and Drew always kind of reformats it every year. Uh, I actually won the tournament for tomorrow uh, when they it was all four-way matches. and I, uh, They were four separate four-way matches, and then the finals had another four-way match, and I uh, snuck out a victory. So you uh, you know a little bit about TFT. Maybe you can talk to Brian Malonis, give him a few pointers. Uh, yeah, I will. I'll Hopefully you can get him to day two. But that is actually airing uh, that day one, Saturday night, November 24th, airing for free on Beyond Wrestling's YouTube channel, free? which is... For free, because they have over a million subscribers on YouTube, which is nuts for an independent promotion. That That is insane for any type of promotion. Right. A million subscribers, I, I, I can't even fathom. What does Impact have? I don't know. You know, I did see a list at one point in time that had, like, all the 
YouTube subscribers right after Beyond hit a million, and it was pretty insane because I think Beyond is like number two or three as far as any wrestling promotion in the world as far as YouTube subscribers go. So I'm sure everyone out there is subscribed to Beyond Wrestling, and you can check out for free. You can see Malonis as part of Beyond Wrestling in Philadelphia at the Wrestle Factory, TFT Day One. So check that out. And then the following afternoon, Sunday afternoon. The next day, November 25th, it's TFT Day 2 at the Electric Haze in Worcester, Mass. Malona says that if he gets past Day 1, he moves on to Day 2. And since it's right around the corner from his house, I'm sure he'll make Day 2. So make sure to check out Malonis at uh, the Electric Haze, Worcester, Mass, November 25th. That is a Sunday for TFT Day 2. Yes. And then a couple weeks later, Friday night, December 14th, Ring of Honor's biggest show of the year, Final Battle in New York City, live from the Hammerstein Ballroom. Not 100% sure. Malonis might be sure by now, but I'm not, if he's going to be actually on the card. He likes to uh, keep us in the dark about these types of things. Who would ever go and do that? If you know, you just tell the person, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, what you're getting at here. but uh... <laughs> So if you can't be at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City on December 14th, you can get it on traditional pay-per-view. Uh, through Honor Club, Fight TV, so many ways to check out if you're not there in person in New York City to see Final Battle on December 14th, a Friday night. And if there's any Ring of Honor event that you want to watch, Final Battle is the one. It's like their version of WrestleMania. It's usually their biggest show of the year, the end of all the different storylines and stuff. So that's definitely uh, one to check out. Yes, and then Malonis will be there the next day for sure at the 2300 Arena. 2300 Arena. Arena, the former ECW Arena, of course, in Philadelphia for the next ROH TV taping. So that's December 15th, the following day, the day after final battle, setting up everything that's going to be happening in 2019. So Malonis will be there front and center, of course, probably with the Beer City Bruiser. And make sure to check out that show. Sunday, December 26th. Yes, the day after Christmas, uh, I'm led to believe. Nice. N.E.W., Northeast Wrestling, Bethany Town Hall, Bethany, Connecticut, one of your old strongholds. They're going, they're going head-to-head with uh, Vince in Madison Square Garden? I guess so. All right. Which one are you going to be at? I'm going to be at home. Oh, okay. Excuse me. So is it sure it's one match? Yes. Okay. We'll we'll see about that. Well, I, I, we'll see, but I'm going to be back full time. That's All right. what I mean. But anyways, <laughs> Sunday, December 26th, yes. NW, Bethany Town Hall, Bethany, Connecticut. The Kingpin will be there. And uh, following that, stay tuned for info on Beyond Wrestling's New Year's Eve show. They haven't really announced when it's going to be. Oh, they know when it's going to be. They haven't announced where it's going to take place, but Malonis is sure to be a part of the card on yeah. New Year's Eve for he Beyond did a, Wrestling. He did it last year, right, he said? He did. He did, yes. And he's offering free kisses at midnight to anyone Whoa. who uh, wants them. Whoa, okay. So make sure to get your tickets for Beyond Wrestling. Nice. They're not live yet, but when they go live, we will let you know, and you can join the Kingpin for New Year's Eve and have a special moment with yes. our friend Brian. Yes, And then December the 7th, Woburn, Massachusetts, Chaotic Wrestling, chaoticwrestling.com, and Brian Fury versus JT Dunn. Brian Fury versus JT Dunn. One night only. It's like yeah, DX. Really They're coming good. back for one night. Yes. I'm going to... Get my fat ass into these trunks and get some uh, wrestling boots and go out there and do the thing. All right. Go out there and do the thing. And to book the kingpin, do the thing where you email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on Twitter at brianmalonis. Promo about nothing. The year 1988. Ooh, what are you like? 18? <sighs> Not even close, Brian. It is the National Wrestling Alliance, Jim Crockett Promotions, and we are going to go to a promo from the Legion of Doom, the Whoa. Road Warriors, with Paul Ellering 
from 1988. Let's check out this week's promo about nothing. Yeah, these guys are ready for the 24th and ready for the bench press contest in Greensboro. Take a look! Take a look! I guess you the killing one on my band. We've been doing a little bit of best pressing in the ring and best pressing in the gym. We ain't playing around. We've built our reputation on being a couple of bad apples from Chicago, being the strongest men in professional wrestling. And we ain't gonna let you or anybody else try to ruin our reputation. All these people are gonna see Greensboro not very long away. Who the strongest wrestlers are in the world? Tell them, Hawk. Tony Schiavone, don't you look swell today. Oh boy. Hey, listen up. There's been a lot of sports writers and sports editors flapping their yaps about us getting soft. <laughs> Does this look soft to you, Paul? Does this look soft to you? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There's one part of our bodies that's soft. And it ain't soft all the time if you catch my meaning. <laughs> Ric Flair. New York City, Ric Flair. You're going to find out what hard is all about. Because from the time I get in the ring with you, Guppy, it's going to be a hard night all night long. And you can forget about your limousines, your pretty girls, and your diamond rings. Because they don't mean diddly do squat when I get done with you. When I get done with you, Space Mountain will be closed for repairs. Tell them, Paul. Well, we don't need to hear from Paul Ellering. So, Road Warrior Hawk, there's one part of him that's soft. Soft. But it's not soft all the time. He says, Ric Flair, New York City, you're going to find out what hard is all about. Because by the time I get in the ring with you, it's going to be a hard night all night long. So what is what is Hawk threatening Ric Flair with? A good time, apparently. <laughs> In New York City, he's going to take him to Space Mountain. Yeah, when but then it's going to be close for repairs. Yeah, so he's going to really fuck him up. I mean, these guys were just kind of spewing off. There were two completely different promos about two completely different things, right? What Hawk and Animal were saying. Yeah, this is always like a thing in the NWA. There's like 12 shows going on, and guys would come out and talk about five different matches that they're having. So, yeah, so rather than like having separate interviews that just aired in the local markets, they would just get, go through all of them together in one live thing on the, on the national broadcast, and that was uh, a lot to take in. He's going to give Ric Flair the high hard one. And then Animal was talking about... Powers of Pain yeah. bench press contest or something? Yes, that sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? You noticed uh, Animal didn't have the spider on his... Uh... Yeah, the, he always has the spider on his forehead, and uh, Hawk had the different face make, not the traditional... It was very uh, Ultimate Warrior-esque. Yes, and weird colors to it, purple going on there. A lot of things strange about this promo. These guys were fucking built, though. Holy shit. Yes. Were they in amazing shape? Not soft. <laughs> no, not anywhere were they soft. Oh, good gravy. And, and of course, Tony Schiavone looks swell. That must <laughs> yes. And that mustache was on very, point. very nice. On point. So, Ric Flair, I think he made it through this without uh, raping 
I re- well, yes, I, I do remember that match. Yeah, it was uh, interesting to say the least. So, uh, Road Warrior Hawk got through it. Ric Flair got through it. We got through it. You heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Brian Fury, thanks for stepping back in here. We lost the co-host. We lost the guest. Everyone ran away. So thanks for coming in and hanging out for the uh, duration here. I mean, as the permanent guest co-host of uh, WPAN, I'm, I'm glad to hop in when I can and when needed. Uh, it was too bad that I was kind of running around all over the place here today. And uh, you didn't think I was going to be here at all, so it's good that I was able to stop in and uh, chime in a little bit. It was fun. So, chaoticwrestling.com, if the tickets aren't up there now, they will be very, very, very shortly for December 7th. Is that the final show of the year? Yes, it is. That is the final Chaotic Wrestling show of the year. And then January, Pandemonium. Ah, excellent. So, make sure you get out to Chaotic Wrestling December 7th. Uh, see Brian Fury make his big comeback one night only, so he says. On Twitter, he is at xbrianxfuryx. Yep. So keep up with them there. And uh, a lot's going on in your life. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. But I think things are start- starting to calm down now. I think everything is uh, is good. We're settled in, getting ready for the holidays. Although the holidays in my shoot job is miserable. But mm. other than that, yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Well, thank you very much, Brian Fury. And we will be back next Monday. Not you, but me and Brian Malonis for episode 136 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, for Max Smashmaster, for Sonny Goodspeed, for Brian Fury, and the Kingpin Brian Malonis, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. <laughs>